Okay, we're live. Um, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, this is a very special edition of Wooden Cubes and Iron Soldiers. Lance was kind enough to finagle uh, Jonathan Gilmore and <laughs> Isaac Vega. It's That's a nice way of saying, uh, saying a, a series of emails resulted into miscommunications and issues, and then we threw this together at last moment. Yeah, that's uh, finagling, right? There you yeah. go. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, they are the designers of the forthcoming release from Platt Games, Dead of Winter. Thank uh, you for having us. Yeah. Yeah, we're really happy to be here. And I wish I had I, <laughs> yeah. Isaac is actually a HAL 9000. Yes. Yeah. His head actually floats about four inches off his body like the Avatar. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I guess we're here to talk about, obviously, um, Dead of Winter is has got a lot of steam behind it, and people are you know really excited about it. Now, when is technically, is it releasing at Gen Con, a little before Gen Con, a little after Gen Con? I'm not Con. even say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we have well, you no know idea. <laughs> you know that's the big question everybody's got is is when when is it gonna when when are people gonna have their copies in their hands and and the, cur- uh, the current projection that we got is July. Now we just received our early copies uh, today. So John, you have a copy sitting in the office for you. I'll be down tonight. So- yeah, <laughs> I'll break in. So um, that that usually when we receive those, that means it's pretty close to getting on the boat. Um, so they should be loading everything up, and we should get notification that it's on the boat, it's on the way to the U.S. And usually it takes anywhere from twenty to thirty to forty days, depending if customs gets in our way or anything like that, um, to get here. No, those are the ones that obviously they they airship over like that that dozen or so that they send that that way. Right. Correct. Those are those are the ones that we get um in advance because we need them for um we need them for certain reviewers or we need them so Rodney can make his videos or um you know we need them because uh, uh you know we need to take them out to Origins so people can play uh, play them there just to you know get a little preview. It's just stuff like that. Um we keep that to a minimum because it costs a lot to airship yep. <laughs> over um but uh, the rest will be coming on the boats. Now, I always wondered, and this, you probably don't have to answer this question, but I always wondered with the air shipping, obviously it's like, okay, you got a box, you're putting it underneath the plane, the plane t- takes it over or whatever, and that runs you, whatever, you, a dozen games. I, I don't even have an idea, like 200 bucks, 300 bucks, 100 bucks, you know, whatever. So I always thought, wouldn't it be easier if, like, you just bought some guy like uh, a plane ticket that was going to go visit friends in like California or something and then his only carry on that he was allowed to bring was a big box of those games I always thought that would that would be a way to do it and you wouldn't cost a lot of money is that an well, offer? he still is <laughs> flying from China <laughs> so <laughs> it's probably still going to cost a bit well yeah I mean, maybe go halvesies on him for the ticket so he can visit his family or something I don't know I, mean, I just just I'm trying to brainstorm ways to get the games. And and so of course Rodney has the copy coming his way. So let's just you know Rodney, you lucky son of a anyway. everybody everybody fly up to Canada and fight for yeah. it. <laughs> Tackle him. Tackle their, their Canadian postal service worker and, and run off. No, good for him. And good yes, for him. I'm very excited to see his video. Uh, I always love his videos, and every time he does it, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, he made it sound so much better than I ever could. So <laughs> he does a great job. 
Well, I mean, okay, I mean, there's there's a ton of questions I could ask directly about the game. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, the biggest thing for me is is that my impression of it was is that it, this is kind of, and I, I might be completely off base here, but it's kind of like a rule set, and then you can kind of just you can plant a scenario kind of into the rule set. That's that's the kind of like the, there's gonna be like different versions of this game. So like this one is the dead of winter or whatever. It's, it's, you know, of course, like you don't want to say the Z word and zombies or whatever, but there's creatures <laughs> out there, you know, uh, and you're trying to, you're trying to keep, you know, just survive and then, and then whatever. But if you decided you wanted to switch it up and play something in, like in a different setting, um, you could take this idea of this game and, and, and transplant it and put it somewhere else relatively easily. Am I off base or am I, am I on the right track? Um, you're a little bit, Correct. Um, I wouldn't say it's as easy as just changing up the theme and moving a, a couple things around here and there. Um, we do plan on porting some things over to the new themes, but it is it might very well be a complete mechanics overhaul. Really, what we're planning to continue with is the crossword cards and secret objectives, and really everything else is up for grabs if we want to change it, if we don't want to change it, what we feel will work for the theme best we will do. Um, as far as with Dead of Winter, I mean, Dead of Winter has its own rules and mechanics and how it all works together, and what makes it really special is, you know, how the story comes out with the crossword cards and with the secret objectives, and the, that feeling is what we want to port over to every single theme in the uh, crossroads series. It's that feeling of, do I know who I'm working with? How am I working with this person? Are are we able to trust each other in this terrible situation? And no matter what the next game looks like, we want that feeling to carry through. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's a rule set and you know, you're always going to be doing this, this, and this um, from each game to the next, but we want that feeling to feel very, very prevalent in every single game as it continues. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wouldn't be a sequel like, uh, you know, kind of like the Adventures, and then the the Adventures Two, where they had the uh, you know set in the Egyptian temple instead of the you know the other temple, so set in the pyramid, and it's you know basically the same rule set. And we could we've talked about a lot of different ways that we could go on future games. You know, it could be anything from a you know worker placement game to something completely different. Well, how did you how did you guys come up with this idea? I mean, was it just something like you kind of tossed around? What's the inspiration for it, or, or like, did you come up with this theme first and then the mechanics, or did you like have mechanics and what would be a cool way to use this crosswords thing in in, in your uh, in, in your ideas? I mean, it's really it's really been all over the place, and we talked at one time about you know obviously the negative uh, view that a lot of people have about zombie games because there's a lot of them <laughs> out right now. So we talked about re-theming it one time, but then you know we decided that we're just going to embrace it and make something that was different than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, how it all started was John had been working on this game, what, for like a, a year, a year and a half, John? Yeah, something around that. Um, he had been working on this game for about a year and a half, and so uh, we, we go to... Uh, John hosts a monthly game day that I frequent as often as possible. Um, and he showed me this game, what, about two years ago now? <laughs> no, it, was, it was longer than that. Oh, we, yeah, man, we showed it at Gen ago. Con two years ago. Yeah. So um, he, showed, he showed me this game, and I was like, there's a lot of stuff here 
that I don't like. <laughs> but there is something here. And it just got my brain burning. And I was just he, like, he was oh my gosh. Played at the time. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of ideas of where I'd like to take um, what was at that point a very, a very, um, very basic, basic, ba- basic skeleton of what the game is now. Um, pretty much locations, and you have a survivor, and you know you're going from location to location, killing zombies. Um, and that inspired me to say, "Hey, John, you know, I think w- what you got going here is." interesting, and I would love to get my hands into it, and let's see if we can go ahead and collaborate on this. And I pretty much said, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to do whatever I want. (laughs) 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 And I'll bring it back, and then we'll see what happens. So pretty much it was uh, after after that initial meeting, um, I came back and I showed John what I had done, and obviously it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) There was, there was plenty of things that were wrong with it, but we kept working at it and going back and forth with different ideas, and eventually it got to the point where I felt like it was time to show Colby what we had done. And once we showed we showed him at Gen Con, I believe about two years ago, and yeah. everything that we had wanted to come out, that feeling of the game was just like singing. People were really people were really getting what we wanted out of the game, and we wanted a, a zombie game that felt like you were survivors in the zombie apocalypse, not hack and slashers that are running around destroying things for no reason. You know, um, we wanted to feel like, oh, God, we don't want to go out there at all. It's terrible, and I have no idea if we can even trust the other people that we're working with. You know, we really wanted it to feel like, you know, the Walking Dead TV show or the zombie movies that you've seen in the past. We wanted it to feel like you're in there. You are these people. And what do these people want, and how do, are their wants ruining your relationships with the other people around you? You know, and that's where the secret objectives came out of, and we tried tons of different ways of implementing those. Um, John had come up with um, looking at different um, how different personalities and how they would deal with different um, psychological wants. If you want to describe that a little bit more, John. Yeah, I mean, uh, we started to dig into, uh, you know, reading articles and books about the the psychology of survival and, you know, what happens to people when they're put into survival situations of all different types, and we and we started to build some game mechanics on that, uh, and then from there, you know, we got uh, more in depth into, you know, how can we really crank up all that suspicion and doubt that's really in everybody's mind because, you know. I've been a zombie fan since I was a teenager. You know, everything from Romero uh, to the Fulci Italian zombies. I've read, you know, every issue of Walking Dead since number one when it first came out. So, I mean, I'm a huge zombie fan, and it's always... The zombies are always there, and they're a threat, but they're a very easy-to-manage threat most of the time. You know, they're very slow, and as long as you keep the numbers down, it's not bad, but it's once you let them go. But really, the... The thing about zombies is they're a reflection of some of the things about humanity that's terrifying. And when you put all those people into the situation, you know, usually it's somebody in that group, not necessarily betraying everybody else, but putting their own needs and wants above the group that causes everything to go down. You know, whether it's somebody seeing their, you know, their father who's a zombie at the door and letting them in, you know, or somebody deciding that they'd be better off with the guns and the ammo and then leaving. 
you know, there's always some human thing that marks that downfall in every single really good zombie media. Right. So we really wanted to focus on those, those, and and all the little little bits of survival and things that happen to the survivors. So as as we continue developing the game, um, that was always our main thought. Like, how do how do we make that feeling stick, no matter what we're doing, and. As the game continued and continued and continued, we, we had gotten to a pretty good point. We had gotten a lot of playtesters into it, and uh, we had pretty much we were ready for production. We had everything going. And at that point, crossword cards didn't exist yet. They didn't even exist in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about seven months ago. Uh, well, no, it's about, it was about nine months ago now that uh, crossword cards were introduced because... I had had this feeling in the pit of my stomach. I was freaking out about the game. You can ask John that I would, there were late night calls for like weeks <laughs> that I was just like, there is something just not right. Something needs to change, and I don't know what it is. And I had had a group of people over to just pretty much play the game from dawn till dusk, and let's see, let's see what this thing is. And pretty much in the middle of the day, I sat down and was like, what if we did this? And everybody was like loving that idea. And that's how crossroad cards came out. No. How do those work, those crossroad cards, exactly? Now, crossroad cards, what they do is that on your turn, another player ha- it draws a crossword card. And they're looking to see what you do on your turn. At the beginning of each crossword card, there is a trigger at the top. And it tells you that if the player that's currently playing does this, then you read this crossword card. And what the crossword card it does is it sets up a little story, and then it gives the players options. It could either be an option for the player that's playing, it could be for the entire colony, and they have to, they have to pretty much decide, do you want to do this thing, or do you want to do this thing? And it's really interesting what that brings to the game, because it creates all of this interesting tension. It puts you right on the spot. You thought you were playing this game, you were achieving your goals in secret, and now, boom, you have to make a decision in front of everybody. And how is that decision going to affect the colony? How is that going to affect the other players uh, players around the board? How is it going to move the zombies around? And, you know, it's it creates all these interesting different um, just levels of the game that just come out. And it, oh, man, the story moments that just evolve from those little uh, those little cards are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, every every single time I play there's always this new story that you know the people that I play with will go back and reference at some point. And uh the other thing that's really interesting about this game and I I haven't really seen it in a lot of other games is that people will make decisions based on their morals rather than mechanics. And it, it's really interesting. I mean, I've seen people that would get emotional because a crossroad card came up where another player had a choice between saving this group of children or just letting them stay out. Right. Real, real dilemma. That's, yeah. that's, that's pretty grim. I mean, that's the kind of thing that happens, too. I mean, okay, well, I, I, see, I can't tell you what the things that happen in a zombie apocalypse because it doesn't happen, but you know, in survival my, situations, you have to decide. You know, it's us or them a lot of times. Yeah, my mind's kind of rolling with a couple questions here, and I just want to make sure yeah. I touch on a couple of these. Um, 
it, it's listed, okay, t- this is kind of a two-part thing. It's listed as being a semi-cooperative game, which, in my opinion, is one of the toughest things to pull off as, as, a, as a game designer because of the fact that you are kind of relying on the players to buy into the idea of the game um, and buy into, um, like, the story or the theme, and they're not and not relying on the mechanics. And you just touched on that, John. And so um, a lot of games do it pretty well. I mean, like uh, Battlestar Galactica comes to mind. You know, yeah, you can game the game a little bit, but you're supposed to kind of buy into the theme of the game and, and making, like, relevant choices as far as what logical you would do, not just like, well, the me- I know that next turn we're going to draw that card, so we should probably do this. You're trying to avoid that type of feel to the game. you know. And and I get that impression uh, from what you're saying. So I guess my question is, is that do you, what do you, have you done to like kind of avoid that? I mean, obviously I think you're, you just kind of answered that with the crossroad card. You said people are, have that difficulty with the, the moral objection, if you will. But is this a situation where it's still everybody wins or everybody loses, or will certain people win because their certain secret objective has been completed and then and then everybody else loses, or how does that work? No, we've actually uh, we've coined a term for it. Uh, meta-cooperative is what, what we like to call it. Um, it's possible for any number of combinations to happen because each player has their own hidden secret objective at the beginning of the game, as well as the overall main objective that you're playing. And there's ten different main objectives in the in the uh, box, and each one has a regular and a hardcore version. So you're overall going for this main objective, but each person has to achieve their their secret objective as well to be able to win. So you know if, if we're playing a five-player game of it, and your secret objective happens to be to uh, have five food cards in your hand when we win the game. And mine is to have three medicine cards in my hand when we win the game, and somebody else's is to, you know, make sure there's at least three dead survivors at the end of the game. <laughs> we each have our own things that we have to uh, that we have to accomplish. And all of those are everybody working towards the main objective. You could all easily win together. You could all you could all lose together. There could be one winner, even though everybody completed the main objective. Um, there could be every. Uh, there could be three winners. There could be two winners. Um, there could be a betrayer amongst you that wants you all to fail. Um, and that's what's really interesting about the game. You don't know what the other person's objectives are. You have no idea where they're trying to, what they're trying to get, and how that affects you guys trying to complete the main objective together. Um, so it's not really, okay, these guys are always going to either win or these guys are either uh, always going to lose. Every time you start the game, you have no idea whether or not you're going uh, to be amongst the winners with everybody else or if you're going to be the only one standing left. You how know, many different uh, personal objectives are there in the game? Like how I, many belie- I believe there's, there's, 20, there's 26 secret objectives that are for the good guys, everybody's working towards the main objective, and then there's also ten betrayal objectives, which when you play the game, you shuffle in uh, two good uh, main objectives for each uh, player that's playing the game, and one betrayer objective. And you shuffle those all up, and then you deal one out to each player. So it's possible that there's no betrayer in the game. And it's possible that there is one betrayer in the game, so you don't know if everybody's on your side or not. No. You have the ability to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joel. Go no, ahead. I was just gonna follow up on that betrayer thing. Uh, somebody asked in the chat about it. 
So the betrayer objectives, is it, do they have their own personal objective and do they also need everybody to fail or how does that work? Correct. Kind of for the betrayer? Um, they, they have, they have, it starts off with, they want morale to get to zero, which if morale gets to zero, everybody loses this game. But they also have other things that they need to complete in order to win the game, period. So they can't just win by making sure everybody fails. They have to play good guy for a certain period of time until they can finagle their way to get to their main objective. And their objective is usually much more difficult than everybody else's. If so you think somebody's a bad guy, can you can you can you plug him and, and kill yeah, him? Yeah, you can you can go ahead and exile a, a bad guy if you think he's a bad guy. At any time during your turn, you can choose to call a vote. And everybody can go ahead and vote whether or not to exile a player. So if you exile a player, what's really interesting is that if you exile the bad guy, the bad guy has to draw this exiled card. And it changes, alters their secret objective in some sort of way. So usually it makes it more difficult. It's even possible that they want to be on your side now. They've had a change of heart. Hmm. But if you exile a good guy, they draw the <laughs> same card and they throw away their old objective. <laughs> So they could be now working completely against you. So you have to be very careful as to who you exile. And if you ever exile two uh, good guys in a game, you lo everybody loses. Period. How many people does it play? Like two how, to many, five. how many players? Two to five. Okay. It plays two to five. Yes. Okay, I, I, have a, I have a completely unrelated question, but I'm going to forget to ask this. This has absolutely nothing to do with anything that was said prior to this, and the question's for John. Yes. And so, John, what did you think of Heroes of Graxia? You know, I played it maybe twice, and I just could not uh, could not get behind it. For the rest of you, I, I sold John Heroes of Graxia back in 2009 on a geek list auction, and I warned him <laughs> that the game was horrible. And and I told him he he wasn't allowed to complain to me uh, about it. So and I so, never did. No, you never did. And I'll have you know, John, uh, I still have the the meeple uh, magnets and the zoo uh, the 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 zoo uh, magnets. The I can't think what Zoopedia? No, no. Zuloretto. Zuloretto magnets on my on my uh, on my uh, <laughs> refrigerator. Fridge, fridge upstairs. So tell your wife thank you again. Absolutely. He made me uh, some magnets. I think I won them on a geek gold auction. Yeah, right? he has a geek gold auction. So yeah, that was that was a long freaking time ago. I just wanted to follow up with the uh, the player count. Uh, you guys said it plays two to five, and there's a question in chat about how it works with two, because you know Battlestar, for example, you can't play that with two. Uh, so you guys want to elucidate that a little bit? Yeah. yeah with, in, uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll answer it. I'll answer it. It just it's horrible with two. Don't ever play with two. No, no, no. <laughs> In the two-player game, there is a it's you go to the end of the rulebook and there's a variant on how to play the co-op version of the game. Uh, you don't actually play with any secret objectives. Uh, you are all playing towards the you're both playing towards the main objective, and the main objective is on its hardcore side. So you have to beat the hardest the hardest way the main objective was intended. So it's pretty much a pure co-op at that point. But there's still some interesting decisions that come up because you're still drawing the crossword cards. You're still, you know, you're still trying to work together towards this very difficult objective. You kind of have to make all the right decisions <laughs> in order to pull it off. So it's it's kind of a very very a very hard pure co-op at that point. Cool. That sounds good. Uh, another question from chat uh, uh, while Lance is thinking of his next question. Uh, somebody asked, what did Colby say the first time he played it? 
Oh my gosh, I'm ter- I have a terrible memory. But pretty much I'll sign it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one the one thing that I remember about that game is that uh and I can say this as a large gentleman myself, there were two other large guys playing and they were both hoarding food and they both got caught hoarding food for no reason at all. <laughs> they weren't even doing it to satisfy their secret objectives, and this, the colony was starving turn after turn, and these guys just had handfuls of food. And it, I mean, it, like, uh, like Isaac said, that very first time, it just it completely sang. It did all the right things. Um, and, yeah, it was full of tension. I think things went horribly bad after about an hour. And... Uh, that was a long time ago. But. Uh, he, he, was, he, was, he was very excited. I can't remember the specific words because I'm I'm a terrible person. I have a terrible. Uh, I think it was, it was something about how uh, how wonderful Isaac is. There was some of that. <laughs> well, you so, know one thing. Go go ahead. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Lance. No, I was just going to make fun of you, Joel. So you probably won't want me to. No, we'll skip it. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, okay. Now, John, I mean, I know you. According to BGG, you've got you've got like kind of a one other game like underneath your uh, underneath your belt. Um, yeah, Pocket uh, Dungeon. It's pretty mildly horrible. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. And, and but yeah. Isaac, you've got you've got several games um, that that you've designed. Uh, I mean, um, I, I see Joel smiling. Why are you smiling, Joel? You're just trying to get me in trouble. I'm gonna go to the chat. <laughs> what, what happened? Why am I part? No, no, no. I mean, no, what, what, other, what other games? Okay, I remember. I, I well, can pull it up. You know what, Isaac? I, you have one game I really enjoy, and uh, I'll be honest with you. Since I've got you here, I really considered putting on kind of my top games for um, 2013. It was uh, Bioshock Infinite. I really enjoy that one. Awesome, awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, really, really fun. <clears throat> I designed it. Uh, what is, about is City Run? me now? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, Lance is, I didn't care for City Runners, but there's no, a question oh. in chat. Um, <laughs> actually, there is. Uh, no, everybody, everybody, everybody has their own he opinion. He loved Bioshock. He loved Bioshock, and he That's tried to get me to play it, and, and, and so, yeah. But but I I don't know what it was. I mean, it's like it, it, of your designs. I mean, that you've made. I mean, obviously, you don't want to like say, well, this one was better than that one, or that one's better than this one. Is this is this kind of like your your baby now? Is this like uh, the one that you're you're most excited about, Isaac? Or I am always most excited about my newest project. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but um yes, I'm very excited about Dead of Winter. Um the thing about Dead of Winter that I can say more about any of the other games that I've ever played. Uh, or that, that I've ever designed, is that it really just strikes an emotional chord with people that I haven't seen out of my other games. And it's it's fascinating to watch. Um, I, was, I was talking about on the last podcast I was on, what was really interesting is that on Dead of Winter, it was the first time I had ever played with all female, all female players and me. You know, and it's like, that's... That's the first game I've ever designed where I'm playing with all other females, and they're all loving the game. Was know? this some and like weird strip version of Dead of Winter? That's a I hope so, because one of them was Colby's wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's a secret but, um, objective card in the special version there. Yes. <laughs> the the but, yes. Um, but yeah, I just I just think that um, it's it's brought together more different types of gamers than my other games have. 
Uh, my other games have kind of had a certain type uh, group here and another type of group here, and this just seems to be more open for a lot of different types of gamers, and a lot of different types of gamers get a lot out of it. Even even the people that were like, I don't like co-ops, I don't like zombie games, I don't like things like that, they give it a try, and you just see them light up. You know, it's and cool you said that because I remember like when I, I I've never and I still haven't watched a single episode of Battlestar Galactica yet. Um, I don't care. I, I love that game. You know, I just I don't know anything about that. I had no interest in watching that TV show, and so and this is kind of like I I like where you're going with this. You it's I I don't want to I don't want to pigeonhole a game by saying oh this is that game but with this but. Um, the whole like secret objectives and trying to keep your keep what you're you know pretending to be one thing while doing another. I mean, it it seems to be a game that's just speaking exactly to me and my group. And uh, yeah, I mean, this this sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, I'm just I'm just excited. I mean, I have never seen. Uh, I have I have a couple uh, uh, of fans of the game that I got to meet at PAX and stuff. And it's the first game that anybody's ever came up and hugged the box goodbye. So, <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. That's good. And one one of the cool things is there's there's a lot of storytelling in this game. And Isaac and I are both big fans of storytelling games. Mm-hmm. Um, we play Fiasco, Dread, and a few other ones. That I are... was just gonna say is Fiasco. If I was wondering if Fiasco might have been a uh, uh, inspiration a little bit for this game a little bit because I'm getting a Fiasco a feel from what the way you've been describing it. Yeah, we have we have a lot of fun with storytelling games in our group, and uh, you know we see people because like my wife, I I've tried to get her to play Fiasco and other storytelling games, and she just doesn't like that kind of thing. You know, she doesn't she doesn't feel that she has a good imagination, is it good at, good at doing that sort of thing. But with uh, with this, you know, watching her and other people that are uncomfortable with that type of game really get into character. I mean, there was one time we were playing and. Uh, we we got some food from a very questionable source in the game, um, and we had to keep that food segregated in the pile of cubes. And she refused to touch it for the rest of the game. She's like, if we needed to spend food, it had to come out of that other pile. You know, the guys the guys that were okay with it could eat, eat that food, but she would not. She refused to have anything to do with it. And you know, it's just people really get into their roles in this, which is cool. So it's just kind of like an added level to, you know, people are making the, the making the game more than just the, the the X, Y, and Z mechanics of it. They're 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 creating their own level to it. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think you have to do that, which is you know, something that we were touching on a little bit earlier. You know, it, you don't have to play that way to do it, but I think if you do, or you have some people in your group that are enjoy that kind of thing, then it really, I mean, it it's going to be. It's going to be excellent if you just have one or two people that can start pulling the other players in, and you know get the you know, get the yeah. in in character talk and the in game talk going. Then it's well. I got a question. It kind of tailors with some of what the chat's talking about in dovetails from what you're talking about. Now you kind of normally you shuffle up the random objectives and then maybe pull a random scenario, and then you also get like different characters, right? Do you control just one character or more than one character for yourself? No. Um... Um, that's something that uh, I was very adamant about at the beginning of the design, that I wanted to feel like I controlled a group 
I wanted it to feel like a colony. <laughs> I didn't yeah. want it to feel like, oh, there's just this group of four guys <laughs> just sitting around. Um, so actually, each player controls at least two people to start the game. Um, possibly more depending on the amount of players. And you're going to be finding more survivors throughout the game to add to your little group. So pretty much your group, the people that you're controlling, is kind of like your family, your group, the people that you came with, the people that you know. Mm-hmm. you know, And they all have the same goals. Everybody, everybody wants to complete you know, your secret objective. Um, so there's, so you, ha- you grow attached to these different characters on your team, and they, some of them can die, and some of them, you know, and you can find uh, some other ones, and some of them can switch teams and go to someone else. And um, it's very interesting to see how different pair-ups of those characters can really make interesting mechanic decisions, and uh, it really gives you a certain uh, value in the colony, depending on who you have. Right. And so can you do stuff like set up a, you know, pick scenario A... And then you have like the army group versus the not versus or coinciding with you know the doctors or the family or uh, you know whatever. So can you? Is it all kind of random or can you kind of set that up and and really? At the beginning, at the beginning of the game, you're going to be given four different character cards, um, and by that point, you already know what your secret objective is. Right. So you can go ahead and choose two out of those, and depending on if there's more players, I'm talking about the five-player game, uh, if there's more players, you'll get to choose more characters. Um, you'll get to choose how you want to set up your team at the beginning. So it's your choice as to who you want to take in order to get your secret objective going. But it may not be the best you know, group to help towards the main objective. It may just be good for your secret objective, or it may be the one that's better for the entire group as a whole, depending on how you want to choose which characters you want to bring along. Gotcha. And, you know, I, I fully expect people to come up with really cool variants or setup and stuff, you know, where maybe they, they draft their characters. Or, you know, it, it's open to that. Like, if you wanted to play it that way where you had a very specific starting group, I mean, I think people will definitely... Uh, you know how board game deep works. People are going to variant the hell out of everything. So it's going to be awesome seeing that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's that's something that we really, really want to support. Um, we just got um, a look at the Crossroads generator that we're going to be putting up on our website once the game is out, um, and it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much working. So you're going to be able to go onto our website, make up your own crossword cards, and add them to your game. Um, and that's something that we you know as much as we can help people you know take ownership over Dead of Winter. We want to help them do that because I, it's the game that can support it. Like, here's all these interesting mechanics. Here's mm-hmm. this interesting story bits. Now, take it even further, you know. And that's that's something I am truly excited to see what people come up with. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, you know, guess who just showed up in chat? None other than uh, Rodney Smith, and he oh, is saying, yes. I don't know, I can't read this clearly. He's saying send all copies of the game to Joel Eddy. I don't know why. You going to be handling the play on this one? <laughs> no, but, yeah, sorry. I just had to give Rodney a little guff for that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, you guys mentioned Fiasco earlier. That's, you know, that's a game where you can set up your own, uh, I can't remember what they call it in that game, but your own... Uh, Scenarios, not scenarios, it's something like that, like scenes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's like a scene of a movie or whatever. Right, right. And so you guys have a poll 
when you pre-order uh, the game to choose possibly if they you guys do a follow-up game, which hopefully you do. Uh, it's it's looking theme. right now. I mean, we're yeah. we're sitting on um, eighteen hundred, uh, eighteen over eighteen hundred pre-orders. So we're we're doing pretty good. <laughs> there's there's definitely going to be a sequel. Good, good. Well, definitely, definitely, definitely. Like. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not going to say definitely. <laughs> I, <laughs> after working at Plat Hat Games for almost a year now, you never say the word definitely. <laughs> <laughs> If you were going to tell, say, like a theme for the next one would be, what, what would a what would a possible theme be? Well, we have yeah. the four different themes that are up right now. Um, we have Lost in Space, we have Deep Undergrounds, we have uh, Summer Camp, and we have uh, Feudal Japan. So those are the ones that we um, came up with that we're most interested in exploring next. So we threw them out to the pre- uh, the people that decide to pre-order, and uh, currently the votes are looking like we're going to go into space. So I'm very interested in exploring that next chapter. Cool. Actually, I think I lied to John. I was talking about this earlier, and I said I voted for Feudal Japan. No, it was Summer Camp. Now I remember. <laughs> that would be really uh, interesting. But yeah, any of those sound like they'd be interesting. The whole system sounds interesting. There, there's a very, uh, very solid Summer Camp fan base out there that's lobbying for it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's in summer camp. Right now, but feudal Japan is just like continuously like going back and forth with summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are all all themes that we want to explore at some point. It's not like oh, well, this one didn't get voted, so we're not going to explore it ever. No, it's just like what do you guys want to see next? We want to stay um, we want to stay um, close to the pulse of what the fans want. So as much as as much as that we can support it, we are going to keep exploring different themes that the fans are interested in. And uh, obviously, if we come up with ideas for you know going going on with the other themes, we'll you know launch those as well. Cool. Yeah, very cool. But oh, uh, here's a, go, go ahead, Lance. No, go 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 go. Yeah, well, this. It's easy for me to ask questions because the chat's just coming up with so many good ones. Um, I'll just do the first one. So what was the most emotional moment you witnessed, uh, you know, in a play session of Dead of Winter? Uh, For me, it it was the time that I mentioned before where this, uh, you know, we were playing with this uh, one lady, and she was was honestly almost in tears because the – she was lobbying because this one other player that was going to play – you know, he had the option of saving these children and bringing a bunch of helpless people into the colony that would have to feed and would eat up our resources or leaving them there. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did not want him to make the decision of leaving them there. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's awesome. I just love, I love that already, man. <laughs> it, it, was, it was so neat. I mean, I, I felt bad because she was so emotional about it, and he ended up deciding to, you know, bring the kids back because... You know that's that's what she wanted, but you know it's just it was a really cool moment. Hmm. How about you, Isaac? For me, um, recently we were we were in Oklahoma um, at uh, this little kind of get together that we have uh, once a year with some of uh, Colby's old HeroScape friends, and uh, we were showing showing them the game there. And uh, we had we had a friend of ours who was very adamant at not to play a zombie game. No, thank you. No, I don't want to play a zombie game, please. <laughs> no, and she. Uh, she had sat down for her third game, <laughs> <laughs> and she is there 
arguing like so passionately, and everybody else is like completely against her uh, what they uh, what uh, what they want to do. And she's like, "No, we have to we have to go here, and we have to put a barricade over here in order for the, in order for these zombies not to attack there." And it's like, "No, why don't you go and do?" That? It's like, "No, you have to go. You have to go over there. You're the one who has to leave the colony. You have fuel left, so you're gonna go and do it." And it was just like. So much arguing. It looked like it took, it took them 30 minutes to figure out what they were going to do next, but it was just, like, so passionate and so amazing. And we were all busting up laughing watching that game. It was so great. <laughs> and it's I've seen I've seen that like so many times people just thinking okay if we go if we go to this location here and search for this well no I don't I don't want to go and and find that medicine why don't why don't you do that on your turn because I need to go and find a weapon here <laughs> you know and it's just like it creates all these interesting situations in which people like want to want to explore you know I, I, I this decision and why don't you take care of that and of course whenever Sparky dies. It's just uh, a Sparky. Sparky. He's Sparky our stunt dog. dog in the game. He's one of the characters <laughs> that you can uh, draft in the game or find in the game. And oh, I thought you were talking about Rodney and his uh, career. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sparky, Sparky the stunt dog. He's a darling. People love him. Especially you give him yeah. a sniper rifle and he just takes care of business. Oh, man. Yeah. Sparky with sniper rifle is amazing. <laughs> That does not seem thematically possible. Oh, he's a stunt dog. He can do it. <laughs> I, I, I believe I believe there's a crossword card that fully it fully explains how they equip him with weapons. <laughs> it's fantastic. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, it's but pretty amazing. Um, yeah, probably, that probably, one probably, up. probably my favorite moment playing it was with Sparky. It was in an older version, so it doesn't completely. But there used to be a uh, leader mechanic where one survivor was the leader of the colony and got to make some extra decisions. And uh, some horrible series of events happened, and Sparky became the leader of the colony. So we had this dog <laughs> making all the decisions. And then a crossroad card came up where like the leader of the colony had to decide between two people. Like We had to kill one of these two survivors. <laughs> It was Sparky the dog making this decision, <laughs> and we we just played it out that it was you know the two survivors were sitting at opposite ends of the rooms trying to call the dog over to them to determine <laughs> who lived and who died. And that can still happen if you make Sparky your group leader and stuff like that. So it's pretty amazing. Sparky's <laughs> automatically my group leader. If I get him, he he leads us to victory. <laughs> So there's a couple of questions related here. Uh, the first one, uh, is there a plan for a dead of or a crossroad game that also is a legacy game? And the follow-up, somebody else asked, you know, can you do like a campaign or maybe is that an option down the road or anything? Or is that something you guys thought of? I cannot guarantee that that is going to happen, but I can tell you right now that, yes, I've been thinking about it for months. <laughs> <laughs> We, so, we may or may not have discussed this at points. <laughs> uh, you know, the legacy engine is something that's so interesting, and I cannot wait to start exploring it as a designer. Um, but I have a lot of other things on my plate right now, so <laughs> so um, that might take a while. Cool. But uh, it's definitely, definitely probably going to happen. I'm just going to throw it out there. What was the other part of that question? The latest scene, then what? Well, it was a follow-up. Basically, um, you know, can you, is there maybe a campaign mode where you, you know, one decision from game one carries over through game five? You know, so, somebody had asked about that on the on BGG forums, and uh, in the back of the rule book, 
there's story bits for each one of the objectives, and they're in a chronological order. So right. you can certainly play it from objective to objective. And uh, I think it would only take a small amount of tweaking to carry your survivors over from one objective to the next or choose, to, choose two of the ones that you ended with on the previous one. Yeah, right. we, got, we got an email about that, and I'm pretty sure there's someone that's going to if they have not already posted a campaign. Cool. Well, Lance, you got any questions? We stumped well, the chat currently. Just, just, yeah, just uh, when when do when do I get my copy? I guess is, you know uh, the just, current uh, projected date. The current projected date is July, and that's that is what we you know. I mean, we're we're trying to keep our um, people that have pre-ordered up to date as much as possible. Um, you can go to our website and see the latest post. Um, pretty much as soon as we know something, we try to tell you guys because. Uh, you know, we we want it here way more. <laughs> we would lo- we would love all our games to be here exactly when we wanted them to. But um, you know, with when it gets to the point of we've sent it to manufacturing, it's it really truly is out of our hands. Um, and we've done all that we can do on our side um, to get it here as quickly as possible. But um, hopefully, it will be here in July, like we expect, and there will be no more delays. Um, like I said, we got our uh, we got our copies in uh, shipped over today, air fl- flighted over today, um, and hopefully that um, will is good news. <laughs> and we have we'll have all our pieces on the boat very very soon. We'll have that little boat symbol next to the Dead of Winter pre-order. <laughs> nice. So can you guys uh, just take a quick sidetrack from Dead of Winter? Do you guys yourselves individually have anything coming up uh, besides Dead of Winter? Well, um, for me personally, I know that you've talked to Rodney a bit about uh, Ashes that um, I'm currently working on, and I'm super excited about that, but I don't know how much I can talk about it yet, because I've just made some huge changes, and it's going to go back to playtesting uh, later on this week, and uh, we're going to see we're gonna see if we can get that uh, back rolling and singing again. Um, so with... with the design, the design process on that game has been uh, a roller coaster, just like Dead of Winter was, and it's getting it's getting to that that point where it's the you know make or break time. So, <laughs> so I can't I can't wait till it all comes together and I move on to the next big thing. Is this the the card game? I'm trying to remember right. Yeah, a- Ashes. Uh, what yeah. you're doing in Ashes is that you're you're playing as Phoenixborns, which Phoenixborns are these kind of demigods of this world. They are these saviors that have risen up and uh, taken over s- different cities and societies and helped helped them out through this very, very dark time in uh, this world. But now things are much better. And of course, when things are much better, people want to fight over land and take over areas. And now the Phoenixborns have turned against each other and they're fighting against each other. And it, we're seeing this story unfold as you're playing this card game. So um, you're you're taking control of one of these Phoenixborns, and you have your own deck that um, is going to come with suggested deck types, but you also have decks that you can build on your own. And uh, you also have this 
pool of dice that you use as resources in order to cast these awesome different spells and bring out these crazy creatures. And it's a really interesting back and forth. Um, you're constantly being able to adjust the way you want to play the game as you see what your opponent is doing, which it really separates it from other card games where you sit back, do everything you want on your turn, and then your opponent does everything they want on their turn. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm completely in love with it, obviously, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but um, I'm doing, doing my absolute best to make sure that this one is, you know, a great follow-up to Dead of Winter because Dead of, Dead of Winter, I truly believe, is, is a work of art and I want to keep just making things better. <laughs> so um, it's going to go, be going back to over 100 playtesters <laughs> and they're going to tell me everything that's wrong with it here in a couple weeks. <laughs> and, and you, John? Um, I'm, what was the question? I dropped there for a second. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I was just asking if you guys had any upcoming projects or designs you were kicking around or had coming up, upcoming uh, other than Dead of Winter. Uh, I do, but nothing announceable yet. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> now, now, Lance, uh, before I got kicked off there, you asked asking about a copy of Dead of Winter. I happen to have an extra one here. As long as you take back Heroes of Draraxia, I can ship them both together. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you're, I will do that, and then I will I will set fire to Heroes of Graxia, and that'll be that'll be the opening part of the game uh, of my video. Is is just a a nice warm fire that I, I I warm myself next to. You have to you have to do a proper Viking barrel at sea. Push it out into a lake. Yeah, I just I just. I just put my uh, boat lift on my dock at my lake cabin this last weekend, so yeah, we can we can do that. I can make that happen for you, John. <laughs> um, we have. Uh, I got one question, uh, and is there is it easy to play the game without spoiling the game? So if once I play with a certain objective or a certain you know uh, scenario or whatever can, is it you know is it seems to me like it would be but is it replayable over and over again if we played scenario 1 you know f- five times in a row we wouldn't have any problem doing that no no I, the I have are, played, yeah uh, we have played scenario 1 like 30 times in a row <laughs> and uh it's always a different experience. It really, really is. I'm, I, there's always different secret objectives coming out. There's always different crossroads that are triggering. There's always different characters that are going to be affecting um, the outcome of the game. And even if you are playing the same main objective, you are going to have a different feel to every single game. You, re- you really are. This game has a lot going for it and a lot of different stuff that is going to be changing up from game to game. And not only that, we're going to be providing, you know, ways for you to adjust your own game and create even more scenarios for yourself. Yeah, so, in, in the box there's 80 crossroad cards, and you're going to probably see, you know, maybe five to ten of them per game, and it's going to, you know, some of them you'll see every now and then, and some of them you'll only see in very, very specific times. So, right. you know, there's a lot of reward for multiple replays and unlocking all these little story bits that are on the... And that's almost the way I view it, is it's like unlocking these side quests and different things in video games. I mean, you may want to play through it over and over again just to try to get that specific crossroad card. Right. And now, the crossroad cards, are they, like, tailored towards the main objective, or are they just use all 80 across all the main objectives? Use all 80 every time. Cool. 
Yeah, this um, game. I mean, this uh, game went from like being on my radar, saying I might be interested in this too. I this. I mean, I'm not just doing this to kiss your butts either, but um, this sounds exactly like uh, like the new game for my guys to play when we are in a Battlestar Galactica kind of mood, um, just so we can spend t- uh, time screaming and yelling at each other at the table and, and getting upset with each other. So, uh, yeah, this this sounds awesome. Yeah, well, I hope we don't disappoint. Uh, <laughs> so far, so far, it's been a it's been a very very positive feedback. I I couldn't be happier with the amount of people that have been um, raving about the game with a little bit of exposure that it's had so far. So well, here, I can't here's wait. a good question. I just thought of this. So okay, I, I mean, I and we're all gushing about it and whatever, but you must have gotten at least one person with some feedback of something they didn't like about it. Not that I want you to trash on your game or anything like that, but. Um, if you don't mind, like share share a, a a question or a complaint that somebody's had about the game. Some people just don't like dice. <laughs> that's that's and, very fair. Some, and, some people there there are a few people that hate zombies so much that they'll they won't replay it. Yeah, and there's and, that. But, but there's more people that say I really hate zombie games, but this is still really good. Yeah, um, there there is also uh, there was a great comment by uh, Eric, which was a, a review that just went up um, a couple days ago, and he was like, uh, "There's this one die that you get, this twelve sided die in the game, and it's uh, the exposure die." And he was like, "This is the die that George R. R. Martin would use at his D and D games <laughs> because it's so brutal, but it's just such a great thematic piece to the game." Oh, I love the exposure die because I, every I was, sing- Go ahead, John. I was super against it when Isaac first said, "This is what we're going to put this die in," because we had a deck of cards that did a similar function. I was like, "Oh, there's no way we're going to do it with a die, and it's going to be anywhere near as good." And it's fantastic because sometimes it'll just be this horrible cascade of awfulness, where you know you have the gamers at the table who are like, "There's no way we could roll a one in twelve chance five times in a row." <laughs> But then it happens. <laughs> and yeah. the, the thing that's the thing that's great about that is that it really just it teaches you the tension of what it would be in this kind of situation. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave the colony. You don't know what's going to happen if you decide to fight a horde of zombies. You know, and that that is that is that die really does represent the tension of and the scariness of what would happen in those kind of situations, and we've put situations in the game to, hey, you know what? You don't you don't want to get exposed. You can you can go ahead and use a weapon, or you can go ahead and uh, uh, decide to spend that fuel. But everything yeah. that you decide to spend and everything that you decide to use now can't be used for another situation. So yeah, everything comes at a cost. So giving 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 that die there, I think, is just just an amazing piece to the game and some people just don't like rolling dice. They don't like uh, they don't like uh, random outcomes but uh, this isn't a game for a person to sit down and meticulously figure out what the perfect way of winning each scenario is. This game is about creating a situation that you don't know what you might not know what's going to happen next and you can do your absolute best and things can just go south sometimes, but at the same time too, having those comebacks, you feel so glor- uh, great and accomplished 
when when you're able to do so, and it's 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 fantastic. And uh, a lot of people, uh, most of the time, there's a winner to the game. At least at least one winner. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the game isn't the game isn't like super super difficult or anything, but it can be hard. So we'll see. So I've seen this question uh, pop up a couple times in chat, and it's about the alpha player problem in a co-op which I personally think is a player problem and almost never a game problem, but I'm weird that way. Um, I, would, I wouldn't see that really being a problem with this because you've got the trader you know, mechanic and the, and the secret objective mechanic. So you could have somebody, you know, this to me would be the player. You could somebody be a real jerk and yell and scream and, you know, flip the table or whatever and just try to get their way. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, Personally, think that would be a problem. I don't know if you guys want to comment on that. You know, I, I agree with you that it is, it is often t- more times than not, it's a player problem. Yeah. But I think there's definitely things that you can do in a game to help mitigate that. The the secret objectives and making very you know the choices that a player has on their turn and the things that they need to be doing pretty clear helps out because a lot of time the alpha gamers tend to step up when you have somebody that's just looking at all these moving pieces and they say, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Well, then the person that does know is going to tell them. Now, right. in, you know, in, in Dead of Winter, it's actually been one of our biggest compliments that that is kind of faded away. You know, um, everybody, every, it's kind of like, you know, that werewolf mentality. You want to you want to talk up. You want to tell everybody what to do. Well, obviously, then you're the werewolf. <laughs> you're exactly. the guy that's guiding us to doom. So you kind of have to you kind of have to work together. You have to discuss these things in order to figure out what what the best you know avenue is for the group. Because anybody deciding to take over and do that kind of thing is gonna just grab the suspicion of all the other players. <laughs> you know, it, it happened to me because I've taught this so many times, and there was a group that wasn't super getting a couple things at first on an older version, and, uh, you know, I, I helped them out, and I wasn't even playing, or, no, I was playing, but, uh, you know, I helped them make a couple decisions, and then things went wrong, wrong and everybody completely just turned on me. They're like, you have to be the traitor because you told us to go here, and you said to search in this pile, and now things are bad and people are dying. And, you know, I was just trying to help it out. But, um, you know, definitely everybody, if your secret objective is that you need guns, then it's real intuitive. You go to the police station, and that's where you search, because that's where guns are most likely. Right. And there's really nice iconography on the board to help you figure out exactly which places to go to for the things that you need. So giving the players difficult but easy to inform themselves decisions helps a lot. Good deal. Well, Lance, if you don't have any more questions, uh, we're well, about I mean, an hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I can't, uh, I, I appreciate you guys having the, uh, you know, like kind of last minute we threw this together, and, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to to be a part of this. Um, is there anything, oh, any last any last comments you want to make about the game or anything in general uh, that you want to, like, if if somebody was still sitting on the fence, if if like you know I don't know if I want to play this dead of winter game, uh you know if you had to give like a one sentence like a, a sales pitch, what would it be? If you don't like it, I will buy you a copy here as a direct see, and I will make that offer to anybody. <laughs> in the world. <laughs> you know, 
somewhere the designer of Heroes of Graxia is listening to this and he's crying. <laughs> oh. Probably Googling my address right now. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. Good stuff. I think that's more uh, of a threat than anything threatening to buy them a copy of it. I, th- I think I think what I'm say- uh, going to say to any of those, any of those on the fence are going to be sold once Rodney, Rodney's videos come out, so I don't really have to argue too hard, but I, I, I really feel like this game, we put our heart and souls into it. Our entire team came together and put our best into it, and I really feel like you're going to get something special, and you're going to get more than bang for your buck uh, on on this game, especially with the pre-order deal of it being at $40. There is a ton in that box for you to continue to um, keep playing and playing and playing over and over again. And for anybody who doesn't um, isn't planning on getting the pre-order, let me tell you right now, um, we printed 5,000 copies that are coming over on the boat. About 2,000 of those are already going to people that have pre-ordered, um, quite a bit of those are been ordered by bigger companies, <laughs> and uh, we have to save so many for our website and for the cons that we're going to. So if you want this game like soon, I highly suggest you pre-order because I don't know if it's going to be at your local game store if we're going to have enough. Um, we're printing another five thousand, but obviously that's going to take uh, longer uh, to get here. So um, if you guys are very interested in getting it as soon as possible. Pre-ordering is the best way to guarantee that you're going to get it. And uh, for any of you um, European fans out there, uh, the European order is going to be up for a couple of weeks, uh, the deal that we have on shipping. So if you guys are interested in um, getting that at the great price that we're doing for shipping up there, uh, definitely, definitely order soon. A little bit of a hard sell there, Isaac. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but that's the truth. I sure wouldn't want to be the guy who didn't get the game. <laughs> Not all saying... Your friend, all your friends are pre-ordering. Shouldn't you be pre-ordering, too? Yeah. <laughs> hey, communist? You don't like free enterprise? <laughs> and we're we're going to be at a bunch of cons this season, so, I mean, there's going to be lots of opportunities for the people that are on the fence to try it, too. And Yeah. I, I think once they try it, they're going to be sold. Yeah, anybody that's coming to Origins, stop by our booth, come and try it out. Um, it's it's well worth your time. Um, everybody that tried it at PAX would not leave. <laughs> they continued to try it over and over again. And, I, yeah. and I'll, be, I'll be doing overflow in the board game room, too. So I'll have a copy there. So between we had, we that had, and Counter, I'll stay pretty busy. We had we had quite a few groups of people um, stand there and wait to play the game. Uh, a a 45 minute to hour and a half game uh, long at a, at a convention you're paying to be at. Play again and again, Dead of Winter. It was their experience of the con, which is is kind of crazy to me for people to spend their time on that, which is amazing. Um, I'm really happy that they did so. Well, that's really cool, cool man. Well, uh, thanks again, guys, for joining. I'm sorry i got to wrap this up, but time is what it is. And yeah. uh, I'm definitely looking forward to getting my copy, hopefully in July, if not August. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I hope you get it in July, too, because we're gonna, oh, we need something for Gen Con. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, one last question, because you mentioned the pre-order and you were like doing the hard sell. How long is pre-order, are pre-orders open, just so our people we, know? We, that, keep our, uh, we keep our pre-orders open until we have confirmed that uh, – we have received all of the copies in the United States. 
So uh, we usually announce um, the last week, like, oh, they've told us it's going to be here. Um, so we usually announce that this is the last week, but um, it will be up until at least July 1st because we don't expect to get it before then. And gotcha. and I don't think I had mentioned it. That's the only way to get the Kodiak Colby promo card. Oh, and... that's right. Hmm. Kodiak Colby, he comes with his own little standee and his own little crossword card. And Andy's pretty awesome. And his little uh, character card, and he's he's pretty amazing. And his crossword card is hilarious. <laughs> well, we all know it will be the most rugged and handsome promo card in existence. <laughs> and he's wrestling the bear, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Well, I look forward to meeting you two at uh, Gen Con and uh, Isaac's floating head. I'll look for that. And yeah, he's <laughs> easy to spot because of it. Yeah, pick him right out. Lance, are you making any conventions this year? I'll be at Gen Con. Uh, I, I room with that uh, that big, tall Bigfoot over there. So, uh, <laughs> I'm the bear in the Kodiak Kobe card. Wait, no. <laughs> I don't watch you. Oh, yeah, okay. Great. Sorry. Well, this ended weird. Colby's <laughs> like canceling my pre-order. He's not gonna copy that. Yeah. <laughs> I think All I right. think we're through here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've descended. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks again. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah thanks guys. a lot, John Isaac. Thanks. I really it was it was fun. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it was good really talking to you, man. It. All right.